this is a, a fun subject for those of us from our background, and we have, we have a little orientation in this. Uh, the fact that uh, Jerome referred to a minute ago of what God has done in the uh, Philippines, that's just in the assemblies of God. We, we are, are God's favorite and, and the most holy, but not the only people of God in the world. At least that last part is true, we know. And uh, today, around 61 and a half, 62 million people are members of Assemblies of God churches around the world. And 100 years ago, there was not an Assemblies of God. Matter of fact, in a couple months, it will be 95 years before there was the formation of the Assemblies of God. And there is a reason why this growth is like it is. We'll get to that in just a minute. Do you know anyone who lives by their to-do list? Do you know anyone in this congregation? If you know someone in this congregation that lives by their to-do list, do this. <laughs> now, let me just, come on, the rest of you, go ahead and tattle. It, the, it'll, it'll hurt your relationship, but it's okay. No. <laughs> All right, to-do lists are the way some people live. And it's really interesting about uh, a spiritual to-do list. I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to witness more. I need to be in church more and so forth. Now, I grew up in a home that the authority figure, the main authority figure... could get on a roll if he's heard something like that. It especially, he could get on a roll if he heard it something like, uh, you know, I, I, nobody's perfect and everybody sins. And man, that would jerk him right up to his feet on the inside. And those hazel eyes would flash. You didn't know hazel eyes could flash. You haven't seen Edgar. They can still flash. And Edgar would say, what sin is it that you're committing? What is it that you're slipping around behind everyone's back and telling no one that you're doing? What is that sin you have to commit? And that would sort of chill the conversation. But I think there is something to be said for that. And from the neurotic guilt perspective, it's very important for you to decide how much God wants you to pray, how much he, Bible he wants you to read, how much he wants you to witness and so forth, and do it. I can't do that. Well, then change your expectations because you're, you're just setting yourself up to always be defiled in your conscience, and a defiled conscience is worth very little in the kingdom of God for God's sake and worth a huge amount for the enemy of our soul, Satan. Another way to say that is get over it. Stop that. Well, I'm never quite doing enough. Well, stop the crud that you're doing and do what's important. Well, I need to watch CNN. 
Well, get over it. You don't know how much of that is true anyway. If you had the money to go around and investigate the stories that they're reporting on, you would be rudely shocked, I predict, at the lack of veracity, accuracy in reporting. Would be a better way to say it. Because they're just feeding us this line that's going to fit us right in. And it looks to me like, church, that we are on the front end of the, of the emergence of the true application of end-time scriptures. I think we're being set up for the Antichrist. We have what we call groupthink. That means you don't need to think for yourself because you need to fit in with what the group is thinking. And if we can get you in that position when the Antichrist comes... The group thinks that he's the Messiah. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? Why don't you preach about power to reach my neighbor? I'll get there. Because, church, here's the thing. We're not going to release the power to reach our neighbor unless our conscience is clear and we need to make sure that we stand before God. And I recommend that every day of the world, you get with God. And if you didn't read your Bible enough yesterday, you read it enough today. Well, I don't have time. Well, get out of the sack. Well, I can't. I'm too tired. Well, go to bed earlier. There are answers for your, all your stuff. Well, I can't. I have a kid. Hey, hey, baby, I just give you space until the kid gets a little bit older, Okay. And God does too, you know, sleep deprivation because of a newborn. I never went through that, hallelujah. But I know whole lots of people who have and are going through that. So we we cut you slack there and the Lord cuts you slack. Pray while you're trying to take care of the kid at two in the morning, you know. Maybe you have one of those that rocking is not enough. You have to walk the floor. Well, pray. Folks, is, is it important to pray? Is it important to do this to-do list about spiritual stuff? Decide how, many, how much time you should spend reading the Word every day and spend that time. And if you're not doing it, talk to the Lord about shortening it. You may have adopted someone else's schedule for devotional. It's pretty good, folks. This will help you. Live in power if you, ever, if you ever get through this. Get rid of the guilt. Get full of the Spirit. Now, Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and appeared to the disciples for weeks. And in Acts 1.8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the whole earth. The ends of the earth. Boy, you talk about a to-do list. That is a serious to-do list. You're going to be my witnesses in in the local town, in the surrounding regions, in the next uh, region over, and to the ends of the earth. And then he said, uh, he right after that, he said, as recorded in Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations. This is a serious to-do list. How are we going to do that? Okay, I'm glad you asked that. Here's the answer. Number one, we start by just juxtaposing my to-do list or God's power. Which will it be? On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard of, which you've heard me speak about. Wait. Wait. Boy, we don't like waiting. Thank you for, for sharing your story. It stinks to the flesh, doesn't it? It was hard to live through. I remember um, a guy that if you haven't met, you will meet John Merrill, beautiful wife, Ruth. They were, he was called to the mission field at age 18 on a missions trip to Africa. He went to Oral Roberts University, met this gorgeous gal. He was a West Texan. He met this gorgeous gal from Iowa. And before he would propose to her, he asked her if she would be willing to go to the mission field. I mean, it's a real deal. He's a missionary in his heart, and that's his future. He's an assembly of God boy. So Ruth gave the right answer when he asked about the uh, mission field. And then, surprise of all surprises, she gave a an affirmative answer when he proposed. And so they got married. Well, in the Assemblies of God track, the fast track is you need to get your education and then you need to pastor, a, you need to be a senior pastor for two years. And especially the years when, when John and Ruth were, uh, getting, were graduating from ORU. And John and Ruth went all over middle America candidating for churches and couldn't get one. So they took a, a music youth combination at um, the old Central Assembly in, in uh, Tulsa, 5th and Peoria, if you Okies are old in the Assemblies of God. And he was there for several years. We had their youth choir come through and do a concert in our church in, in Duncan, Oklahoma. Uh, he moved from there to, to a staff position at, um, let's see, South Dallas, Bethel Temple, South Dallas, uh, and was there for a number of years. Then when Temple Records was putting a, a um, music group on the road, uh, he was called by Temple Records, the, whose office was here in town and the, whose owners were in our congregation. He was called to direct this and so John and Ruth uh, traveled all over the world not all over the world but well over parts of the world but all over the US with this uh, wonderful slick music choir and he was getting tired of being on the road he'd been on the road a few years and so uh, the wife of the owner of Temple Records said to me why don't you get John to be your uh, your music man well we needed another staff pastor and so I talked to him about it, and he said yes. But he wouldn't come full-time, and I needed him full-time. He wanted to work in a recording studio downtown, and he's like, John, we need you. Come on, just get in the ministry here, was, was the way I felt. But I didn't say that to him. Um, and so they were with us a few years, and this huge international... Christian organization, it's education and it's uh, ICIs. Many of you have heard of it. If you've been around for a long time, it's now known as Global University. They were setting up a media department. And my wife grew up with the director of, of ICI and said to him, you ought to get our music guy to start that department. 
And so the director of that division of ICI came to Kansas City and sat down with these people and they decided this is what God was saying. And in 11 months from the time they walked out of our staff, they walked into Brussels, Belgium, fully funded the whole deal. Now, every turn of the career was turning away from the, the fast track, the traditional track for Assemblies of God missionaries. And the track is wonderful. We have such incredibly high quality people. That's the reason we're so powerful overseas. There's nothing wrong with the track. But the Holy Spirit is larger than the track. And in less than a year's time, from the time they said, yeah, I think that's what God is saying. We're going to do that. They were, they were on site in Europe doing what God had called them to do. And they, have, they, headed, uh, they were at ICI for years. And then when they needed a director for IMM, and you know IMM, we had the, the founder uh, of IMM here two or three weeks ago, David Lee. When he resigned, they put John Merrill in and Ruth as the directors of that stuff. And every way you look, you see God's hand. But honey, until you can see the future, it looks weird. Because here is this call, and I'm supposed to be taking a right, and I'm taking a left. Well, to get over there, I need to take two rights or two lefts, and know it's another step away and another step away and another step away and when he stepped into our staff he was doing downtown exactly what he needed to be doing and he didn't know why and I sure didn't know why but God but God okay we're talking about a to-do list here so is it is it God's power or is it my to-do list and again, there's nothing wrong with the tracks that God will use you to get you on the field because uh, it works for so many people, but it does not work universally. And says, now, here is the picture. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, we back up a few verses in Acts and we reread, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift, the promise. Day of Pentecost, it was a feast day. It was a holiday. It's not that far. It's, it's just a little bit after on our calendar as um, a little bit after Memorial Day. So we could say when, the, when Memorial Day was here, this is not Memorial Day Eve. This is Memorial Day. When the day of Pentecost was here. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard Heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they ask, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Edomites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We 
hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Somehow, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they're drunk. Just drunk. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Talking about making a to-do list. Do you think that any of these guys a week earlier, when Jesus said, wait, wait and pray, just wait. Do you think they had envisioned when he said that, they said, oh, okay. And they just knew what it was going to look like. They could hear the sound. They could see the, the uh, flames of fire. Intellectually, they could hear this cacophony of, of languages, but it was not a cacophony to those who were hearing it because they were hearing in their own tongue, in their native tongue, the glories of God. You, you, what do you think about that? You see, what they were doing, if they're like some of us, if, if they had seen that com- coming, they would, have, they would have done this to-do list. I've got to order 120 tongues of flame. I've got to learn 20 languages and six dialects. And I've got to get a rush order on 3,000 booklets entitled Being a Christian. Do you think this, you see what I'm saying? No, they just had this promise from Jesus. And so they just stayed and prayed, stayed close together. And when the event occurred, it made obsolete all of their to-do lists. I'm not against to-do lists, okay? I, I have made them in my life. I'm not one who lives, lives by them uh, written down. I think all of us probably use mental to-do lists. But uh, if there's anything we believe... As Christians and as Pentecostals, we believe that God is sovereignly powerful, that he can do fully from within himself whatever he wants to do, anything he purposes, nothing can stand in his way. So, is it my to-do list or God's power? Is it my to-do list or God's plan is number two. When Jesus said, wait, that didn't mean that these guys were supposed to uh, get their, their gear packed up and move back home. They were all um, small business people and resumed their normal lives in their entrepreneurial pursuits. They, they could have said, um, you know, we, we just, we're going to go home and wait. No, Jesus said it clearly. Stay in town. Wait here. And here's what they were supposed to do. They would wait on God. They would pray. They would look to see if God was answering that. And then they were to pray some more. Did you hear what I just said? If you can figure out what God's doing, pray that. It's a lot more encouraging. They were to praise God for what he had done in Jesus Christ, for the love he had shown, and for the power and the incredible reality of the resurrection. They were to tell him that they were open to being used by God. They were to tell God that they were willing to be taught what is really important, and that they were willing to have their lives sifted, their priorities reordered, to be open to what he is doing. They were to tell God they were willing 
to hear what he said and, and watch what he laid out. It was already in his heart, already wanting them to do. And they joined together constantly in prayer, waiting for God to act, waiting on God, seeking him. They were asked, they were waiting for him to fulfill a promise. Because in not many days, you received the promise of the Father, he said. And they were waiting for that. Now, sometimes we're tempted to believe that if God wants to do something, he'll do it. He's sovereign. Just, it's inevitable. He's just going to do it. But I want you to know that the Bible does not teach that. There is an outstanding passage in, in the Old Testament where a lot of people believed that God would do what he good and well pleased. And you, you'll see that all through the, the Old Testament. You'll see that in prayers. You'll see that uh, in the expectation of people. But Jeremiah had prophesied that Jerusalem was going to fall and Judea was going to be deported. Almost all the people were going to be deported to another part of the world. And for 70 years, the land was to to be basically uninhabited. There would be people in it, but it was not the nation of Israel. And it all happened up to the deportation, the, the fall of Jerusalem, etc. Well, Daniel knew the prophecy of Jeremiah. And he believed it. And he says, I was aware of this and I, I became aware that the time was running out. The 70 years were almost here. And he didn't see anything happening. But how many of you know... That it's a wonderful position to be in to pray for what God has promised to do. Does that sound too easy? Here's what he did. He went on a fast. He began to humble himself and begin to pray. And in three weeks time, an answer came. And... If you've read the scripture or know the story, there was a, a group of many hundreds of people who gathered together and went back to Jerusalem. And then there were contingencies that followed them so that the land ultimately began to be sort of inhabited again. He was praying, not that it would have happened if he hadn't prayed. I'm not suggesting that because I don't believe it would have. But God raised up a man to pray. And I want you to know, madam, sir, that if you come into knowledge that God is wanting to do something, he has promised something, jump on it and start praying for it because you're going to see stuff that you wouldn't have seen before. I remember sitting on the platform in our sanctuary over on Blue Ridge Cutoff. And during the sermon, the guy was preaching about reaching Muslims. And boy, back in those years, we didn't pray for Muslims because God didn't save them. You know, Just pray for something that works. And that really was awful because we didn't pray for them. We didn't send missionaries to them. Um, dark, dark area. And if you're one of those that thinks... That every religion is, is fine and it's ultimately all going to lead to heaven. You're dead wrong. 
There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ and the man Christ Jesus. And that's the only way. Now, all paths do lead to God. But not all paths lead to heaven. And it's going to be a really hard day for the multiplied hundreds of millions when they stand before God and they are not allowed into heaven because they did not come through Jesus Christ. And the weakest person of faith that ever put his faith in Jesus Christ and he just held on and he just said, said Jesus is my only Savior and he didn't get his to-do list done very well and he wasn't very victorious but he had no hope anywhere of salvation but in Christ Jesus He's going to go into heaven. And that's going to make some of these people that prayed five times a day feel really rotten. Well, that's a little extra sermon there. Wish me happy birthday or cut me some slack or something. Here's the deal. This guy was preaching on the platform. I was sitting right behind him. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I am going to pour out my spirit on the world of Islam. I said I would pour out my spirit on all flesh, and I've never poured out my spirit there, and I'm going to pour it out. Now, a smart boy would start praying for those people. So I did. I may not be smart, but I did the smart thing. And I tried to get you to do the same thing. And we pray now for for people in this. I pray for leaders of Islam. I pray for people in the news that they will get saved. And you've heard my story about Yasser Arafat. I never did like him. I thought he was ugly. He stood for everything I stood against. And I didn't like him. It was fun to not like him too. It was just fun. Felt good. And so I'm in my prayer. And so I'm saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins, you know. And then I say, okay, now I need to forgive others so that my sins will be forgiven. And he says, pray for Arafat. And it's like you just start rebuking that spirit. <laughs> Listen, I had to pray until I truly wanted the man to humble himself before Jesus Christ and be saved and be with me eternally in heaven because I'm going to heaven. Jesus paid for it, and whatever it takes on my side, I'm going to do it. And I prayed for him. There is a chance that he's there. Who knows? I've heard some stories about people who met him that it wasn't like the media gave us at the end of his life. And I don't know. I hope, man, Jesus paid for him. Jesus died for nothing if he goes to hell in his case. And so we need to pray. And we have started praying. And so when we start praying, then people start getting saved. And now all over the world. Listen, there is a a website the Assemblies of God is participating in that, that ultimately leads people to Jesus and to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And it walks them through a bunch of steps. And if they get through all those steps and they click that place on their computer... That says, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. When that happens, if if you, you, and you can watch this, you get Google Earth, you download that, and then you get to go to this website, and these points on the globe show up, and Google Earth zeroes in down to the 
larger neighborhood, not pinpointing it for their safety in some cases, but, but, but it's there. And all over the Muslim world, these things keep coming. Man, uh, some of the stans that I can't even pronounce, and Morocco and Turkey, all of these places have come up when I've been watching this. Just re- you sit there and just rejoice. Hallelujah. Someone just became aware of who Jesus is and what it means to be saved. And they said, I want this. I'm walking with God. And they hit that button. Now, honey, part of that is because people all over the world, not just in the North America, but people who associated with, with Muslims through the years and in a lot of third world countries wouldn't pray for them. They didn't like them. If the Muslims had the, the, the authority and the power in the community, they were oppressed. The Christians were. But God is breaking through, and there's still people that need, you need to pray that the Christians in those areas will indeed get under the burden for the lost uh, followers of Islam because the, if, they'll, if they'll pray for them, they'll be saved. It's the will of God. It's a good thing to pray according to the will of God. And so that's, that's what we're... That's what we're about. That's what we're doing. And I want, to, uh, I want to tell you a story about Becky Pippert. Some of you will recognize that name because you read her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. Some of you, I know some of you have read that book. <clears throat> Becky is an evangelist. She moved to another city and someone recommended this certain hairdresser. And so when she went to the shop where she was supposed to be, she, that gal wasn't there, but the um, receptionist recommended another person who could take her right then. And I'll just call her Mary. And so Becky had Mary um, fix her hair and she did a good job. And so she went back and, and they established that relationship that clients and, and these professionals establish. And during one of these conversations, Mary said to Becky, my brother is one of those born again Christians. And he just drives me crazy with all this religion stuff. And so um, Becky said, um, ask him if he has ever heard of a book out of the salt shaker and into the world. So when she went back the next time to get her hair done, Mary meets her at the door. And she's just animated. She says, my brother said he not only read the book, it changed his life. And so Mary went ahead and fixed Becky's hair. And Becky was about to leave. And one of Mary's colleagues said, tell her the rest of the story, Mary. The rest of the story was... When he found out that she was doing Becky's hair, he told her this. I have been praying for you that God would send you someone just like Becky. (laughs) And you know the rest of the story. She led her to the Lord, discipled her, and after uh, many months... uh, Mary became engaged, and at the wedding, here sits Becky next to this brother. 
who had prayed a wild prayer. Not wild at all. It's the will of God. And instead of someone like Becky, he just sent Becky. The Lord loves to help us. And you see, now we begin to get off our to-do list and we get into God's plan. And then do we get into God's order. Number three, is it my to-do list or is it God's order? And let me give you an illustration. We think of Christianity as a long-distance event. And there are scriptures that, <laughs> that would make you think that. But I, I, in, in this business of working for God, I, I want to show you something. A long-distance swimmer will swim and swim and swim and swim and swim. These long distances build up and build up and build up until the day comes when they either cover themselves in, in grease or in a, in a wetsuit and swim the English Channel or swim to Catalina Island or wherever they're swimming. And we think Christianity is like that. But in this business of working for God, I want to, I want to propose to you that it's really not. It's, it's really like this. It's like a surfer. And a surfer has to have all the stuff. He has to be a swimmer. He has to be a good swimmer. And he has to have all the stuff. And he has to be in the right place. And the right time. And he just positions himself for when the wave comes in. And he rides something he had no part in creating. And it's... It looks good. Now, I've tried it, and I actually could stand up, and I could actually turn the board, and I could actually run along the wave. And if the waves were no higher than about this, I did fine. And actually, I was never lucky enough to be in a place where the waves were any higher than that. So I don't know whether I could surf a real wave or not. But you see, that's just, that's just waiting on what God does. You, you get that picture? I think that's the best illustration. I wish I was smart enough to think to have thought that up, but I didn't. But that's the picture I want us to get. We're not a long-distance swimmer. We are surfers, and we prepare ourselves. We get full of the Holy Spirit. We pray in tongues. You do pray in tongues, don't you? Some of you started about 14 and a half months ago, praying an hour a day in tongues, and you found out you couldn't quit. And I'm one of you. And I want you to know it makes a difference in your life. It'll make a difference in your schedule. I'll, <laughs> I'll admit that. But why do we live? What are we here for? And um, here is the word from the Lord. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is what we do. We, and this uh, don't get drunk with wine, might be tied to Acts, the second chapter, where the power of God was creating such a, let's just call it chaos, that some thought these people were drunk and the word was, no, 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 it's just 9 a.m. They're not drunk. They haven't had anything to drink. And the thing about it is, here, if you drink before 9, don't. Be filled with the Spirit. 
be filled with the Spirit and then do all of this stuff so that when it's time, bam, you pull the trigger. And God's miracle has occurred in a life. This is the power to reach your neighbor. Pray for them. Pray for yourself. It's not selfish to pray for you. How are you going to help anyone in the world if you're not blessed? Pray for you. Right after you pray for you, pray for me. How am I going to be a blessing if you don't pray for me? I just had this wonderful experience of going to 13 sectional councils. That's a business meeting of ministers and delegates from churches across the southern Missouri district. I had to conduct them all because our superintendent was ill. I think he faked it, but he, no, don't tell him I said that. He, I don't think he'd think that as funny as I thought. I had to conduct all of those. And the guys that do those from the district office gripe from year to year about that schedule. They love to meet the ministers and be in the churches, but they hate the schedule because it's a killer. And uh, I felt like I was just on an adventure, just having fun. You know why? Because you were praying for me. I would, I would, I would give to my prayer team <laughs> this this pitiful sounding schedule of no, <laughs> you know, and they pray, and it wasn't pitiful at all. It was wonderful. And I loved it. And God carried me through that. And if, if I gave you the schedule, you'd say, that is a hard schedule. They should complain about that if anybody cares. But there's not any reason to complain about it if somebody will pray. Because it just makes the difference. And if you'll pray for you, it'll make the difference. And if I'll pray for you, it'll make the difference. And that needs to be reciprocated. I need it greatly. And listen, dear one. Most of all, pray that God will give us people who come to Jesus Christ in these services and who come to Jesus Christ in our meetings outside this particular service in Wednesday night and pray for people to come to Jesus Christ away from this building under your hand and witness and under the person next to you and the person down the road. That's the will of God. But we need to be full of the spirit waiting on God in position Everything ready, and when the wave comes, you see, Becky did not witness to Mary until the Lord pulled the trigger. And you'll know when the Lord is pulling the trigger because you can't avoid it. You'll have to witness or, or feel really, really stupid if you don't. It's just like when, uh, when she led Mary to the Lord. Mary had just told her about her brother praying that God would send somebody like Becky to, to minister to Mary. And when that happens, I mean, you're going to keep your mouth shut. You can't. Not if you're full of the Spirit. You'd explode. You'd blow into a thousand pieces because it's time. The wave will pick you up and you will love it. And it is more fun than long-distance swimming. I guess. I never tried it. 